we kind of have this idea that beer floats all boats. And as you've mentioned, beer drinkers, while they usually have favorite places or favorite pints, um, often visit and frequent many places because they are celebrating the craft itself and the kind of ingenuity and creativeness that Kenan mentioned earlier. And so um, we met the folks at Utara early on when we found out they were going to also be opening. It's kind of interesting. Um, Laughing Dog and McDuff's opened in the same year, 12 years ago, or close to 13 now, I guess, mm-hmm. this summer. And Utara and Matchwood opened, you know, th- 12 years later in the same summer. So maybe that's just the way Sandpoint does it, is we open two breweries at a time. Every 12 years. <laughs> Today on Your Wild Place, we present a tale of two breweries. 2018 was the summer of beer in Sandpoint, as Utara Brewing and Matchwood Brewing both opened their doors. They joined longtime local favorites, McDuff's and Laughing Dog. Which leads us to these two questions. Can one small town have too many breweries or too many wild places? We will find out the answer to those questions and more as we talk to Dave and Christina from Utara and Andrea and Kendon from Matchwood. We'll hear how a love for beer, a passion for place, and a connection to community brought them all to Sandpoint. I'm Phil Huff, hiker, beer lover, and executive director of the Friends of Scotch and Peaks Wilderness. This is your wild place, and these are your breweries. Let's find out about how each couple met and how they came to call Sandpoint home. Utara Brewing Company. Go out there and enjoy nature as well as beer. We met in Missoula, both working at the newspaper, The Missoulian. Missoula is a fun town. I had just moved there uh, because my best friend from grade school lives there. And obviously, I like to live in beautiful places. So uh, I'd been in Colorado for eight years before and always wanted to check out Montana. I'd actually never been there before I moved there, but ended up just going with, uh, to live with my best friend, uh, met Dave at the Missoulian, um, and pretty soon after we started dating, he got recruited to work at Coldwater. So we did the long distance thing, and obviously, like kind of said in the email, um, first date was, I believe that was the Hot Springs date, and then the second date was hiking up Squaw Peak. And since I was new to the area and he had had some friends who had just left the area, we really actually bonded over, you know, doing outdoor stuff. We both kind of needed somebody to do something fun and outdoorsy with. Um, And so that was literally what kind of brought us together. He asked, do you want to go hiking five miles into the backcountry to go to hot springs? And I think I really surprised him by saying, yeah. (laughs) So uh, that was our first date. And then I think I surprised him again when he asked if I wanted to hike up uh, Lolo Peak. Um, I'm not sure so did that. that those were dates. I remember very clearly <laughs> sitting in the kettle oh, house man. with beer in front of me, and here's this uh, really cute girl, and we're talking about a lot of things we have in common, hiking, beer, love of dogs, um, pretty much that, that covers 
about 90% of it. And I remember thinking to myself, God, I hope she doesn't think I'm making a pass at her. I just want to like share some commonality. So we were friends for a good, probably six months before um, I, I pretty much confessed to her the day of the Rolling Stones concert that I was like pretty much crazy about her and was interested in just a little bit more than hiking and friendship. So that was 13 years ago. So our memories might not be the exact same story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot of beer under the bridge since then. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I came home one day to my apartment in Missoula and there was a message on the answering machine saying, hey, I'm, I can't remember her name from Coldwater Creek. I'm a recruiter. We found your resume online. We think you'd be a good fit for our graphic design department. Come on up and interview. Um, Missoula is a wonderful town, but it's full of tons and tons of college kids that are willing to work for 10 bucks an hour. And um you know, uh, I'd, I'd actually never even been to Sandpoint. Obviously, I'd been through Coeur d'Alene several times, um, but I was in Missoula for six years and ironically never even went to Sandpoint. So that was my first visit. Um, I remember arriving late at night and staying at the La Quinta Inn and, and walking down to Farman Park and, and just kind of asking myself, what kind of town is this? It's eight o'clock on a Tuesday and there isn't a single person out. <laughs> and uh, uh, I remember the interviews went rather well. Um, uh, my, my future boss um, had me stay an additional day or two to see if I, I liked the town. And I remember walking down First Avenue and passing by the uh, very brew house that now sits in our brewery, which is at the original uh, McDuff's restaurant. And I went in there and I said to myself, you know, interesting, they've got a brewery here. It seems like an outdoorsy type of town. Um, this might work. Um, I went in there and met Kalika and Carrera, the first two people I ever met in Sandpoint and asked them um, what I should do if I had to make my mind up whether or not to move here in 24 hours and um, one of them suggested a lot of outdoors things you know go out to Sunnyside go for a swim drive up to Schweitzer take in the view uh, go go on a hike up Gold Hill and uh, um, the other one chimed right in and said hey we got a lot of good dive bars too <laughs> she suggested I go have a beer at the 219 and and that I go check out the, the Turvan and some of the local colorful, colorful characters. Um, and then uh, the second time I came up, I was actually going to look for a house. I decided to accept the job, but I, I invited um, Christina with me to come on up in hopes that this would entice her to move to town. And I remember I took the, the southern route through Coeur d'Alene and, and her Bob Gunter always famously said that everyone's got their first Long Bridge story and it's a, it's a historic moment in their lives. And uh, she was crossing the Long Bridge in October and the trees were turning all sorts of beautiful colors and the sun was lower in the sky and she looked at me and said, why wouldn't you want to live here? And I said, well, because you don't live here. So I suffered through an entire winter of uh, braving the passes, uh, trying to go see her in, in Missoula until spring 
set in and in one of her visits to Sandpoint, she didn't have a vehicle at the time. She would Greyhound up to Coeur d'Alene and I'd go down and pick her up. But uh, um, I just told her, look, I'm not doing that another winter. You got to either move up here or we got we to pump the brakes on this one. So. Matchwood Brewing is Sandpoint's neighborhood brewery where personal connections foster positive community change through the power of dialogue and laughter, one pint of delicious craft beer at a time. Uh, we met 15 years ago, probably, um, in uh, western Montana. I grew up in Sanders County, Knox area, and um, we met over there, um, and uh you know, we had lived in Missoula and Helena and um, all over Western Montana, really, at one point, and then um, wanted to get a little closer to home for me, which is Knoxon, and that's where my folks live um, currently, and um, Sandpoint is uh, an amazing spot, as we all know, and um, it's it's very close to where I, where I grew up and where my parents currently live. Yeah, we went on our first date in Sandpoint. Um, this was kind of the big city. So we met over in kind of the Knoxon area, Trout Creek area. We have a lot of friends over there. Spent a lot of time outside on the reservoir there and hiking around and bonfires and all that good Western Montana activities. And then uh, when Kendon really wanted to impress me, he took us over to, to Sandpoint to, I think we went to Ivano's on our first date about 14 years ago and just fell in love with the kind of quaintness and the community that is Sandpoint. And, um, yeah, it took us a little while to get here. Um, and, and then, yeah, here we are. And the rest is history, I guess. So how did you decide you wanted to go into brewing? <laughs> well, it's a great question. When, um, on one of those stints, we were living in, um, Helena, Montana and, um, I was underemployed um, at the time, and so I had some I had some free time on my hands, and so I picked up home brewing and um, fell in love with the the melding of art and science that is it is brewing. You know, there's a there's a ton of science and um, that goes into it, but there's also a fair amount of creative freedom um, where you can sort of you know um, create your own your own beer styles or, you know, mash things together and play around a little bit. So, um, I just fell in love with it. And, um, from, you know, from there we, we got an apprenticeship at a imagination brewing company in Missoula, Montana, and we're there for just under a year, um, learning the commercial brewing process from them and, um, the business side of things, um, before we jumped up to Sandpoint to open metric. Opening a brewery takes more than a love of beer. It takes money and planning and timing and good luck. Let's hear how each couple did this. I was at the Daily Bee for a couple of years as a graphic designer. Um, during that time, I had taken my love of crafting um, homebrew uh, to kind of the next level. I was entering contests, winning awards. I formed a uh, a North Idaho homebrewers uh, club where we met once monthly. Um, it was just a great way to meet people. Um, I cultivated a friendship with Fred and Michelle. 
who uh, were the original owners of Laughing Dog. And uh, based upon my background in essentially production and project management and my ability to understand the science behind um, uh, brewing biology and chemistry, um, Fred offered me very generously a um, position as his head brewer. So I was head brewer at Laughing Dog from 2009 until 2012. Um, during, at, 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 during 2012, I had already decided that we were going to open Mutara and um, I made the decision to go work for Charles Manning at Kochava. I told him my second week there uh, <laughs> probably was a bad decision looking back at it, but I was like, hey, I want to be honest with you. It's a small town. Um, I'm opening a brewery probably within the next year. I will give you ample notification of, uh, you know, my plans, no two-week notice. I'll give you a month or two. Um, fast forward five years later, uh, we had a very difficult time securing a, a workable and viable location, um, finding a landlord that was willing to work with our crazy idea, finding a bank that would actually finance it. Um, you know, we, we paired Indian food with uh, traditional Northwest ales simply because we, we loved that combination and we knew a lot of people in our community would love that combination. Um, so I actually walked next door from Cochaba to the Alpine shop when Brent and Nicole Ecret owned it. And I introduced myself to Brent and I said, hey, look, you've got a bunch of space in the, in the back of your building here. I've looked at seven locations. We've gotten serious on every single one. It's, it's, it's either fallen through because the bank thought it was crazy or the owner thought it was crazy or the building just needed way too much work. And, uh, you know, maybe you've got some space in the back of your building where we can just set something up and grow organically. And he said, I've got a better idea. Lightning Lube is moving out to Ponderay. We don't know what to do with the building. Would you like to be my tenant for the next 10 years? And that's kind of where we're at right now. The Granary Arts District um, has been the the center of town, um, or maybe the soul of town, I don't know, for for a while now. Um, Evans Brothers Coffee Roasting Company came in there and and sort of brought some life to it, and um, and we wanted to add add some vibrancy um, with them or alongside them. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that that building was a, a just an empty warehouse, um, and it was a part of the old granary co-op facility there. <clears throat> and, um, uh, we, before we started construction, um, during our, you know, business planning phase, we went to dozens and dozens and dozens of breweries around the inland Northwest. And we did a sort of, you know, um, likes and dislikes and what, you know, what we like about it, what we don't like about it and, and created sort of a, um, a concept, um, on paper of what we would like. And then, um, we also factored in things that we thought Sandpoint could use, or maybe that was missing in, in town. Um, and you know, so those were like the kids cubbies came out of that. It's like, we need a spot where we can let kids sort of be kids. Um, and you know, allow their parents, <clears throat> um, or whomever they're with to sort of have an, have an aside, have an adult conversation while the kid is off being a kid. 
because um, kids are an important part of our community. Um, so we just kind of packaged all that together and, um, you know, our current space is sort of what we ended up with on the far side, which is, which is a lovely space. It's got, you know, event meeting rooms and, you know, uh, uh, digital equipment for board meetings and presentations down to a, you know, large outdoor patio space. And, um, really being, being outdoors in Sandpoint is where we all want to be. Um, and if we can be doing that, enjoying a, a, a good meal and a delicious pint of craft beer, uh, that's just a bonus. Small businesses are very personal ones with unique designs and names that always have a special meaning. Let's find out more. So, yeah, so we were trying to figure something out for the longest time, and obviously we're in North Idaho. So Dave, uh, having been in Indonesia for eight years, spoke some Indonesian, and uh, Uttara is Norse in Sanskrit, um, Hindi as well as Indonesian are both Sanskrit derived. So Uttar is North in India and Hindi, and uh, Uttara is North in uh, Indonesian. So he he said, "What about Uttara?" And it means North. And I thought that's perfect. We are in North Idaho, and that just felt like that hit such a, a chord with me. Um, and then actually, when we were before that, we wanted to really our first incarnation of the business was to base the entire business on nature and natural um, locations. So that's actually where we got the logo that looks like the crest of the Forest Service logo. Um, that kind of inspired that, but then that actually parlayed into more of a British seal, which, you know, gives us the British style ale and curry house. So it just kind of all really fell together seamlessly um but we still decided to stick with the you know what do you name your beers after that's also a a pretty big deal and because nature is so important to dave and i and we wanted to you know pay tribute and homage to all the incredible places that are just again in our backyard um we thought that we could name our beers after after those places that we visited and we really thoroughly enjoyed not to mention the is so um, saturated with uh, already trademarked names. Um, our our love of local locations, like uh, the very first beer we named was uh, uh, our Two Miles Pale Ale after uh, uh, Two Miles Lakes up in up in the Selkirks there, and we just thought it was such a perfect fit with our love of the local area and specific locations that kind of hold a special place in our, place in our heart, and. Uh, you know, what are the odds that someone's going to name something nationally after like Maiden Rock on Lake Ponderé? So it was a very safe move. It was a move that we felt very comfortable with and we've just kind of kept it going all the way up into, uh, you know, the release of our Imperial Scotchman's Peak uh, uh, last fall. Yeah, so the the bar top and, and much of the wood that is inside the building, um, Part the trellis elements over the bar came from um, a single tree that we cut down from my family property here um, you know just a, an hour out, outside of town. It was a hundred and thirty year old western white pine um, that was you know over a hundred feet tall and twenty eight inches at the base and um, we had it 
milled and kilned up in Bonner's Ferry. And um, it's just a, a neat, a neat piece of, of history. The, the word matchwood or the name matchwood comes from um, the uh, logging community of matchwood, which existed about six miles north of Sandpoint in what is now the Selly Valley. Yeah, we're, yeah, around the turn of the century, um, north of Sandpoint, about seven miles at the intersection of what is now um, Selly Road and the train tracks that sort of cut through there diagonally. Um, there used to be the community that used to exist there in the early, early 1900s, late 1800s was called Matchwood. Um, and the, the Ohio Match Company and Diamond Match Companies and likely others were here cutting down these really old uh, western white pine trees um, and turning them into matches um, and amongst other things I'm sure but um, the straight grain wood of the white pine tree um, has a lot of flex to it has a lot of give and so um, the eastern white pine for example is they used to make um, sailing or they used to use to make sailing ship masts um, as the sail can put a lot of force on it and it won't snap the, the stem. Um, the similar thing is true, but in miniature for matchsticks, as you strike them across the side of the box, you know, it's super disappointing when they snap. So, um, which most of them do now because they're not made out of white pine anymore. But, um, but they, when, you know, when, when matchsticks were um, how we made fire and it was important that they lit every time, um, they they were largely made out of white pine. Um, so yeah, so they in in 1917 the community of of Matchwood was renamed to Selly, um, and um, we now have the Selly Valley north of town. Well, all all things being equal, I think uh, the use of a single white pine in your bar is a more noble uh, end for uh, a mature tree than a bunch of matchsticks. As much as we need matchsticks, absolutely. Yeah, and it was you know it was. Um, a, a, a elderly tree, a sickly tree that was, you know, um, its days were numbered and um, we, we put it to put it to good use for the, the community to, to see, you know, the, just the beauty of, of the wood itself. So it's really clear you brought your love for the area and your roots into uh, the passion for your business and they've come together so nicely. Let's talk a little bit more about how you're settling in and how both of you find a connection to uh, the great outdoors that surround Sandpoint. Yeah. Um, well, as, as many people would, would say, when you start a business, you have less time on your hands than more. Um, so we are just, as we're entering our second year of business, emerging from the, the depths of uh, work-life balance or imbalance, I should say, and trying to find a little bit more time to do the things that we love about Sandpoint. Um, but, you know, I, I, can, I can tell you that many, many times when friends and family come to visit us, of course, the first thing we do is get outside um, and show them this beautiful place. So, one of the most iconic memories I have with my folks coming out here for the first time was taking them out to Green Bay and hiking up to Mineral Point and, and really just, you know, sitting and taking in the breathtaking landscape of what is our hometown. And I, I joke with folks um, when they get out there that they just can't believe that's in Northern Inland 
you know, Idaho, uh, it feels a little bit like home. I grew up in Rhode Island. And so when you see a number of sailing ships, you know, coming across or a sailing competition and, uh, it does feel a little bit more coastal. Um, so yeah, so I mean, we, we get outside and we hike, Ken and grew up skiing here and now I'm a, a Schweitzer skier, which is cool. Um, but just, you know, Knoxon's not far from here and we also hike kind of over in those mountains and get outside. That's such a, we're so lucky where we are. So have you climbed Scotch and Peak yet or Star Peak? Uh, I haven't. Um, I, you know, hunted over in that area, the Star Peak area as a, as a younger man. Um, but I haven't been over, over there um, in, in far too long. Let's return to Utara for more about their connection to our wild place. I think it also, the nice thing about naming it about local places is that then spawns conversations. So if you're drinking the Two Mouths Pale Ale, you know, obviously we're paying homage from our experience, but we want you to go experience that. We want you to experience, you know, Echo Bay. The lake has got so many places. We want you to go hike Scotchman's Peak. You know, we want you to do all that stuff too. So when you're sitting there drinking your beer, you can just kind of like imagine this adventure and then get out there and do it. So we, we uh, brewed a hazy beer last spring and I walked next door to Greasy Fingers and I asked Dave over there, I said, hey, I got a new beer I'm coming out with today. I don't know what to name it. What's your favorite mountain biking trail? And he said, Mineral Point. And I was like, that's the name. Um, Maiden Rock, it's one of our favorite places to go. Uh, we live down in Sagal. We're a 10 minute drive from the Talachi Put-In. Um, we do a lot of canoeing on the lake. Um, canoeing is is definitely our speed. Um, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you don't ever get somebody on your boat that says, hey, let's cross the lake and go over there like you're in a canoe. Um, you got to kind of plan your trips a little bit. Maiden Rock's one of our favorite places. Um, I've taken my parents there. Uh, I actually just completed the label for, for our plans on canning next month. So... Um, that includes a picture of our, our two very good friends from Port Townsend in their super awesome canoe with Maiden Rock in the background. And um, after that, uh, I brewed a double IPA, 8.9%, uh, uh, 97 IBUs, super balanced, not cloyingly sweet. Um, and I just wanted to think of like the most dramatic place I've ever been in a canoe on the lake. And it's got to be Echo Bay. It's got, it's got glacially carved peaks out there that that just remind me of Glacier National Park. Um, kind of easy to get to from Farragut. Uh, what else? Um, one of, Lightning uh, Creek. Uh, Lightning Creek, yes. We did a, a spring seasonal and um, we just thought, you know, some sort of aggressive name like, like Lightning in a Bottle. Uh, what, what better thing to do than, than name it Lightning Creek? Uh, our um, Winter seasonal is a imperial stout, 10.3%. Um, and Christina and I were sitting in Ainsworth Hot Springs last January, right before we released it. And uh, she said, you know, I, something with black in the name, black, black. And, and one of our favorite places to go just for a day trip is, is uh, Blacktail Point um, on the lake. We spend a lot of time on the lake in the winter as well. Um, the water is rough enough so that the shores don't ice up. 
and you can just uh, throw a bunch of uh, firewood in your canoe and paddle down to Blacktail and have a little fire, eat some lunch, dinner, you name it. Watch the northern lights as you paddle back. It's, it's just a super special place for us. Um, what else? We've got the, the, our summer beer, which is a, a gin barrel aged IPA. It's uh, actually Echo Bay, just aged in gin barrels and spiked with fresh juniper berries. And we, we didn't really have a specific geolocation in mind for that, but we just called it the Ginland Northwest, which is kind of a plan in the Northwest, obviously. Um, one of our award-winning Pilsners back from when I was uh, homebrewing um, was uh, the Dr. Saz Czech Pilsner, um, named after our um, super lovable Alaskan Husky that um, we adopted when we still lived in a, a house in town. And uh, um, he always seems like he's in deep thought. So it's uh, Dr. Saz's Ponder Point Czech Pilsner now. <laughs> so anyway. We kind of have some fun. Um, some of the places are just silly names like Jinlin Northwest and Ponder Point and other places are just real uh, conversation starters for us. We've hung a bunch of US Forest Service maps on the wall and to uh, topographical maps, uh, uh, nautical maps. And, and um, it's just amazing not only seeing the locals uh, engage in conversation, but also visitors to our area engaging in conversation about where these special places actually are. I love talking about not only beer, but also places we've been in the area. Locals have uh, discouraged me from letting in on too many secrets, but hey, uh, I, I love sharing with people and um, it's not like we're, we're uh, uh, in, involved in a major cash grab to exploit these special places and build like casinos on them. It's just like, Hey, if you've got a canoe, man, you got to go to go to some of these places. So, so we brewed Scotchman's Peak. That's our fall seasonal beer. Uh, we always knew that we were going to do four seasonal beers. They're usually pretty big, over nine percent, over ten percent. Um, Christina and I have had some great experiences up there. I brew a Scotch ale for um, Westwood down in Rathdrum, which we just absolutely love. It's a little more traditional Scotch ale, about five and a half percent but we wanted to do something really big for fall. Um, and also something that, that we could have the potential of um, teaming up with people like the Friends of Scotchman's Peak. We, we, we love doing charitable things, skimming money off the top of our pint sales, skimming, skimming money off of our, our distribution sales. And it just, it just seemed like brewing a big 9.6% Imperial Scotch Ale breaking the rules a little bit, adding a little bit of peat malt to it, which uh, the style guidelines say is highly unacceptable, but I just think it tastes good. Um, and really pushing the limits of, of kind of the maltiness um, and the balance of, of what an Imperial Scotch Ale could be. We've actually hiked Scotchman's Peak, and actually I want to get back there and do that again, but I do remember it was a pretty brutal hike, <laughs> especially because we slept at the trailhead because we wanted to get an early morning, you know, jump on the trail. And I think I slept terribly, <laughs> and I think I was achy in a lot of places before I, I even started the hike. But uh, getting to the top and seeing the goats and the view, and yeah, it's it's so awesome to have places like that that are so accessible. Let's talk to both couples about connection to place and community. You know, we're always looking for opportunities to help support the nonprofits that really come in alignment with, with our love of the area. 
Um, I guess the one thing, just in speaking of how much we love natural places, we want to keep them looking very pretty, but we also want to enjoy uh, delicious beer in them as well. So kind of wanted to mention that we are going to be canning our Maiden Rock so that it is even more it's even easier to have uh, Uttar Brewing Company beer out on the lake and in the back country. Yeah, so at the center of our hopes of opening a brewery was to create a gathering space and a community center. We call ourselves a neighborhood brewery. Um, and we also uh, created some spaces specifically for community events uh, in, our, in our brewery and taproom. In our first year, we held over 400 community events um, from celebrations of independent newspapers like The Reader to Wild Night for Wilderness with, um, with you guys. We felt like it really took hold and there was a need for it uh, in, in, our, in our wonderful place. And we have so many wonderful nonprofits and activities happening. You know, they don't have to be for a cause. They can be for a family and a celebration. And, and we seem to kind of to catch all of those. So a wide net and it's been really fun. Yeah, so I hold another position in town. Um, you're not doing it right unless you're really busy. Uh, and uh, so I'm the director of the Bonner County Economic Development Corporation. It's a business membership organization funded and led by employers of our county. Um, so we're lucky to have really committed um, businesses who put dollars into a pot to try to find community solutions to both retaining and expanding our economy or getting through challenging times like COVID-19. Um, and I've been kind of tasked with just convening those wonderful businesses and then also finding and identifying ways in which we can be doing more. And that's been a really rewarding process and a really great way to get to know the business community, um, which happens to overlap with the beer drinking community as well as the outdoor community. Uh, turns out those are all the same people and that's really great. So um, I would say, uh, you know, we're, we're technically one of the fastest growing micropolitans in the country. Uh, I think we were listed as seventh, which what that means is we can't quite call ourselves a big city, but when you track smaller, tinier towns like ours, our growth is pretty exponential um, over the past five to seven years. And so that's been noteworthy and I think, um, we're seeing a lot of folks want to move their businesses and their families here or start families here or buy homes. Um, of course that comes with responsibility to take care of the sandpoint and the greater area that we know and love and the outdoors. But, um, we see that growth as a sign of love for this place. And of course, now that we're facing a bit of an economic challenge with the pandemic and recession that we've just identified, um, I think businesses, here really stick together in tough times. And so I've been lucky enough to be on calls where the entire downtown, you know, sh the street of downtown, all the businesses are on a call together and they're, you know, maybe sometimes complaining about how hard it is, but also talking about what they can do to pull through it together or help each other out. If you look at any other uh, successful growing town, they protect their assets that make them uh, worth and valued of a place to go and be. Uh, you ask people why they move here, they say quality of life, or uh, it's a great place to raise a family and own a business. And I think we, if you peel back those words and you look at the why behind them, it is access um, and the public lands and, you know, the the clean water and air and all of those things that differentiate us from maybe some other places that aren't so lucky. And so 
I think it's about just really recognizing what is an asset outside of just brick and mortar buildings or housing values and really applying an outdoor value uh, to our economy. And there is a, a lot of progress happening in that area where, you know, governors or uh, legislative bodies or cities are creating outdoor economists and economy studies to really identify and better be able to position these these beautiful spaces as areas of value because that's just the American cultural way of talking about the economy. And so we have to be able to talk the talk to be able to also protect our, our beautiful wild spaces. As a business, we feel like it's really important to have strong partnerships um, with other businesses and community leaders. And so we kind of have an open door policy where we'll hear out any idea and often say yes um, at some cool things that maybe haven't happened before, or we're resurrecting, you know, a big granary party that people can remember from 15 years ago. And, you know, you know, all these little tiny things that make owning a business fun is, is really the people around you and the, and the freedom to do what you want to do. So uh, we're just open to those kind of concepts and ideas. And while we can't always say yes, we, we try really hard to, to say yes when the community asks. So that's exciting. And um, I think the people who su support your organization are also many of our regulars. So it's, it's, we're really thankful for the work you guys do and um, are really proud supporters of uh, Friends of Scotch and Beaks. Thank you for listening to Your Wild Place, presented by Friends of Scotch and Peaks Wilderness. For more information about the Friends, visit our website, scotchmanpeaks.org. A Tale of Two Breweries was sponsored by Utara Brewing and Matchwood Brewing, and featured their owners and founders, Dave and Christina, and Andrea and Kendon. To find out more, please visit their fine establishments. And while you are there, have a beer, or two. This episode was edited by Ray Brown. The theme music was written and performed by Ben Olson and Katie Archer. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to Your Wild Place wherever you listen to podcasts.